We don't have to try any harder. We don't need to fight anymore. We don't have to try any harder. No. Hey, Jacob. Hi, Scott. Do you see the um? The bite on the side of my head that is has swollen up into this weird bump. <laughs> I didn't see it until you mentioned it, but now I can't take my eyes off it. <laughs> <laughs> to everybody who's not lucky enough to see the bump on the side of my head, I was bitten by something this morning. I'm guessing a black fly. I always swell up in a weird way if it's a black fly bite. Black flies. Uh, I would or have horse guessed... flies. I mean, not yeah. black fly horse. The bigger ones. Oh, the big guys. Where yeah. where are you that there that there are biting flies? Well, all over Michigan, I think there are biting flies, especially in the north. And I'm in right now. I am in my nephew's cottage in Houghton Lake. Oh, because I was camping an hour away, and I thought this is easy. This has Wi-Fi. This would be a great place to record a podcast session because I miss you, and it's been a couple weeks, <laughs> and we were. Uh, you know, we originally, Jacob and I talked about, when we were originally talking about this podcast, we were only talking about putting out episodes once every couple of weeks. And then we started recording them and we were just doing it week after week after week for 17 weeks in a row. And it felt good and right and fun. So this has felt like a long time for me. How about you? Yeah, for me too. I missed talking with you last week. I was coming home from a big trip and um well let's see i was on the trip for we usually record on tuesdays and i was on the trip back east to new hampshire and uh so then i got back and it i was exhausted enough from all the travel and work that i was up to that when you said can we please take a week off because of our schedules it it fit in very nicely but i did miss talking with you and how was your time out east oh it was so good um yeah, I got to I got to record two different video classes in studio, and it was a really pro studio with several different cameras and great lighting and sound. So, and a producer. Um, so that felt like the completion of a stage that has really been on the list for me for I mean years and years, Scott, and also for Paul Boynton, my friend, who's the author of Begin with Yes. Um, we recorded a class, a course for him. And then I recorded my own course the next day. So it was, it was an intense run. Um, I loved being out there. I love the sense of history on the East coast. And I was talking with his partner, Michael and Michael's a therapist, really smart guy and, you know, thinks about things a lot. So I mentioned something about the history and he grew up in the West in California. And he said, yeah, I've gotten this sense now um that on the east coast we tend to lean back into history more we tend to be more aware of history and on the west coast the energy is really leaning forward so we don't tend to look at history as much our the history of the land the history of kind of the sense of it i thought that was an interesting perspective on that and we're and in boise what happens where are you are you in the middle no i think it's i think we have the west energy there you know and if you think about manifest destiny and the way that America was taken over by Europeans and who became Americans and the attitude of that. Like I can definitely feel that sense of get out of my way. We're building stuff in the West and mm -hmm. it, that feels different to me than, than the East coast. Yeah, that makes sense. But catch me up on your last couple of weeks. You've been traveling. Yeah. I mean, I've been my, I've been, I just spent, I've, what do I want to say? I've spent eight nights, the past eight nights in a tent, the first four nights in a ground tent, and then the last four in my rooftop tent. Oh. And it's been wonderful. I started this road trip out uh, at a gay campground. So an LGBT friendly campground, but it's really a gay campground. It was 92% gay men and 8% lesbians. And I'm sure a mix of other folks on the spe on every spectrum there um but that was what i witnessed and it uh, what i've 
what I came to know is a few things. One, I'm delighted that these campgrounds exist. I wasn't really aware of them before a month ago, and they're not really for me. <laughs> really? I, yeah. I, I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of energy. You know, I came in on a Wednesday, and Wednesday was pretty quiet, and Thursday was relatively quiet, and then the weekend was bonkers. It was like people come there to party. And there are a lot of seasonal people who are there, some who are living there full-time in mm. the summer, some who, who are there on the weekends in the summer, and then others who just come in on the weekend. And every weekend is themed. The weekend I was there happened to be drag weekend, which is fun. I like drag shows and, I, and there was one on Saturday night. And it was just a lot of energy. You know, I was kind of I don't know what I was thinking. I was thinking, I guess it probably would be, but you know, sometimes Jacob, when you're watching yourself and you realize that who you think you might be is actually not the person you really are. And I thought that, that I would have, oh, this is going to be a lot of fun and a great way to kick off this leg of this journey. And mostly I was in my, my tent early hearing all the music and the stuff, but it, it was just not how I really wanted to be camping. Oh, interesting. Just lots of drinking and lots of partying, you know, and fun. And there, I met a lot of nice people and had some good connections, but it's, I think I prefer, I, at least right now, the quiet. Um, but I met some, some interesting couples, you know, I met a couple that they've been together 20 years and most of that time they have lived in different cities. They don't live together hmm. and they've made it work in a really beautiful way. And I met another couple who's, they've been together 20 years and they have a 20, I think min at least 20 year age difference mm -hmm. um, and have made that work out really beautifully. And it was just nice to see the different ways in which people approach their relationships mm -hmm. and, and get reminded again that the only rules in a relationship are the rules set by the two people who are involved in, in said relationship and that we can make relationships work from, from so many different angles and in so many different ways. And if, you're choosing not to live even in the same city or state as your partner. And that is what works for both of you. It's beautiful. You know, so I appreciate that reminder whenever I see people making things work in an unconventional way. Um, so that was really cool. And I go ahead. That. Well, yeah, no, they brought up a lot of thoughts. I think it's so interesting this time we're in. Um, experiencing how it's so funny to think about conventional relationships and how few of them work. <laughs> I mean, statistically how few yeah, of them work sure. and, and then, but then there's all this like, Oh but my God. But if you go outside that box in some way, it's like the collective brain is trying to accept the fact that relationships now can be on a different level than the very primitive survival level bonds that people had to both make and maintain Scott. And so I just think it's interesting that you're spending this year. I think you've been outside the box for a long time in various ways, but just really, you know, giving yourself the freedom to experience yourself and test what does and doesn't work for you or what you prefer and don't prefer. And, um, kind of as a metaphor, I guess, of, this is what testing the constant experimentation of life can be and finding out who I really am, what I love, what I don't love, how I work best, all that stuff. So anyway, it's interesting to sit back and listen to you and watch you live this way and experience things that for a lot of people would feel, oh, maybe I'll go on vacation. Maybe I'll go on, go to Burning Man, but then I come right back to my, my life and tuck it all back in. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either, but just the fact that you've committed to spending more time outside the line, so to speak. Um, and what, what do you find that doing inside? I know we've talked about this some, but what do you find that doing inside your, your head, your emotions, your body, as you continue to stay outside of a traditional job, a traditional relationship, whatever it might be? Well, it's funny because I, I, I feel like I wonder if part of the reason so many relationships, conventional relationships, I mean, and maybe all relationships aren't working out is because 
how constricted they are by conventions. Let's look at conventional relationships, you know, and and people are trying the way we all do to mold themselves into something that has been created by society, mm-hmm. has been created by religion, has been created by whatever it's created by. But anytime we're, we're working so hard to, to mold ourselves into something that is outside of our own creation, mm-hmm. I feel like the likelihood for, for failure or discontent is so great that it makes, it makes complete sense to me that so many relationships fail mm-hmm. in that context and that that I met and I've met a couple in the past couple days while camping some other relationships that are unconventional by normal standards and they seem really happy and really in love which isn't again to suggest that relationships outside the conventions aren't also failing at times or whatever failing isn't even the right word um but to answer your question I think that I I feel most at peace when I'm doing things that feel like they're coming from my truth. Mm -hmm. So if my truth is in some way aligned with convention and I'm doing it, great. If my truth is in in some way not, great. I find that a lot of my deeper truths are not aligned with the conventions we see out there, certainly in in my approach to work or, or travel or relationships or a lot of the big things. Um, mm-hmm. and it's not without, you know, Jacob, it's not without these moments of, of real loneliness. You know, when I was at this camp and there are all these gay men and a lot of really friendly people, and I was having conversations with people and there were moments of real connection. And then there were other moments where I felt so profoundly alone in the crowd, you know, just, just looking around and, not really feeling like this is what I'm wanting right now. And part of that is my personality. Part of that is a story that I tell myself that I'm always on the outside and looking in. And there was this moment when I, on on Friday night, when they opened up the dance floor and started playing music and the DJ was great. And I was dancing and really getting into the to the music and really letting myself go dancing and it was really quick when the story started to come into play about you know how am i being perceived by other people and i'm a 50 year old man and that you know there was the full demographic of ages there for sure but looking at you know are some people seeing me as silly? Who's this old guy letting loose on the dance floor? Like all of these judgments. And then, and then also feeling like watching myself even assess my dancing. And like, yeah, like the moments I was into the music were great. And then there were all these mental ego moments that pulled me out of what I was doing and was just focused on how it's being perceived by others and how I look in the face of others and are others finding me attractive and, all of these stories that are that are locked into what I've been talking about with social media, this need in me to be seen and loved and adored and and received in a good way, and seeing how that need plays into all aspects of life, and that that story is exhausting (laughs) one it's a very exhausting thing to be confronting all the time Mm -hmm. or a lot of the time um and then it's also important it's like what i was doing on the dance floor as i was going through that and my mind is going crazy i was looking at all the different places within me as a young kid the young boy in me who didn't feel loved by his dad, the young boy in me who was coming into his sexuality and felt terrified about how he was going to be received, the young boy in me who was orphaned at 14 and felt like a total freak to be without parents, and this young boy who was just so desperate to just feel normal and be loved by people. Mm. And that is who I feel like when I'm in those moments of like, are people loving me? How am I being received? I, I when now when I'm tuning in, it it's always that younger kid. And so as I'm going through all the ego stuff on the dance floor and letting go to the music in moments on the dance floor, there's this other part of me that was just 
going to those places inside of me, that young boy and saying, I see you and I love you. And you are so okay. And you are so beautiful. And everything you're feeling right now is so okay. But I've got you and you are loved just as you are. And so, Jacob, this is all happening while there's this crazy party going on and I'm letting loose on the dance floor and all of this stuff is going on. And you know what? I'm so fucking grateful that along with being able to let go into the music and along with um, the, the craziness of the ego stuff, that there is the part of, in me that is clear enough in those moments to show up for myself in that way. And to at least add something that feels like tenderness and grace and care for who I am. I'm pausing just a moment to let, let that settle. You said so much. I'd like to invite our listeners as you're listening to Scott's story, especially this one to let yourself be curious and wonder what parts of my life have I not yet lived? What parts of my life do I long to live in some way, but I feel constricted by obligations, whether they're legitimate or whether they're just outdated agreements that I have in my life. And I think we all have them. What parts of myself have I not been able to see, have I not been willing to see or haven't wanted to see because I feel afraid to see them. And Scott, as I was listening to you share all of that, and by the way, I relate to that experience of (laughs) some of us are just wired to be very self-observant and some of us are wired to be hyper self-observant. So there's this experience of watching myself, watching myself, watching myself. And it gets to be a very strange kaleidoscope house of mirrors sometimes like, oh my God. Then I have to just shake my head and go, okay, that, that was weird. Uh, it's okay. Um, no, but I love, I work with people a lot and we talk a lot about self-discovery and self self-acceptance and those are words. And I use practices and worksheets to help with that. But what I'm hearing you describe so beautifully today is leaving the worksheet and the workshop behind and going out and living self-discovery, living self-acceptance, Scott, at a whole new level. Um, I would love to hear anything else you have to say about that. No, I mean, what I was going to say is also living self-judgment, living Mm -hmm. insecurity, living all of the things that we're always living. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, it doesn't matter what the environment is necessarily. If that's what you're carrying, you're going to carry it into whatever environment you're living. So yes, I'm camping and I'm in nature and I'm having this beautiful connected time and that's all true too. Mm-hmm. And yet, as Emer- I think Emerson said, you bring your monsters with you wherever you go. <laughs> and that's so true too. And I, I think the thing for me is always, and, and reminding listeners too, is that no matter how many monsters you're bringing with you, wherever you go, that you have the capacity to love yourself at the same time, no matter what. You can show up for yourself while the monsters are showing up. You can show up for the little kid in you um, who where these stories began, where these traumas began, where this disconnection from source began, where this disconnection from the divine began. Like it is always within our power to show up for ourselves with love at the same time. And at the very least, what what that does and what that creates is within, within whatever story you have going on, you're also bringing love to yourself. And so often what we do is we forget the love part. We get wrapped up in the judgment. We get wrapped up in the insecurity. We get wrapped up in the fear and we don't allow ourselves to see beyond that. But when you remember that you are a wildly expansive being capable of holding so much energy, so much consideration in one moment that, that even if you're terrified or anxious or, or, mired in insecurity 
you can expand and hold space for the part of you, the heart, the soul that is also ready to love you. And it helps. It always helps. So I don't say that with in any way wanting to be like, and then everything on the dance floor was beautiful. And I was, well, that wasn't my experience on the dance floor. It had everything. Mm-hmm. It had moments of everything. Mm-hmm. My, my whole experience at the campsite had moments of everything. Yeah. Um, that reminds but, me of that uh, yeah. that song. I can't remember the name of the band right now, but I love it. I've always loved this song, uh, A Little Bit of Everything. Do you know that song? I don't know if I know it. You you have to sing it for us now. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, no, but it, it's talking about that, that entire experience, Scott. Maybe I'll look up the lyrics here. Um, so you talk for a second. I'll just read some of the lyrics. Um, I've been talking a lot, man. <laughs> I know, but I'm going to keep you talking. Um, no, so it's... Uh... It's, it's been, it's been good. Michigan, what I'll, what I'll say is per usual being in nature, I had a a beautiful experience. Northern Michigan is so beautiful. And I was camping in this pine forest. It was all these beautiful pine trees and the ground cover was all ferns. And five minutes away was a trailhead that you could walk through these dunes and you get to the shore of Lake Michigan Lake Michigan's one of the Great Lakes. It's stunningly beautiful. And you I had a large swath of beach completely to myself, hmm. like entirely. So I stripped naked and went swimming and just hung out naked on the beach and in the water, which feels really good. I feel like I'm be- I feel like I'm nudist curious now in my life as well. <laughs> That's, that's another thing going on for me. Like I've always liked being naked, but I'm finding myself liking to be naked more and being naked in nature is in, so incredibly just freeing and joyful. I found, I found these lyrics. And I, I want to make sure and get this in just a couple of them. It's a little bit of everything. The band is Dawes. And okay. they're describing Scott. I, maybe I'll send this uh, link to you later, just so you can hear the song. I, I've I've sometimes play this over and over again when I have that feeling of tremendous love of the entire experience, the light and the dark, um, the stuff that causes me distress, but also it's part of the beauty mm-hmm. of this mosaic thing that's going on. So. It's, um, with his back against the San Francisco traffic traffic on the bridges side that faces toward the jail, setting out to join a demographic, he hoists his first leg up over a rail. And a phone call is made. Police cars show up quickly. The sergeant slams his passenger door. He says, hey, son, why don't you talk th- through this with me? Just tell me what you're doing it for. And then the, the chorus is the kid answering, oh, it's a little bit of everything. It's the mountains. It's the fog. It's the news at six o'clock. It's the death of my first dog. It's the angels up above me. It's the song that they don't sing. It's a little bit of everything. And it goes on and telling some other stories of people experiencing a little bit of everything. But I love that. Yeah, just just I just want to reflect to you and appreciate you for sharing your entire experience or at least <laughs> the entirety of what you've shared with us so far of the perfection and imperfection of going out on this great journey of going to these camps of the idea of it. And then the reality of it, and then saying, and this is what feels good. And this, what doesn't feel good. This is where I have my hangups. Um, I think that sometimes a lot of times people have the impression that those who gain a certain level of mastery, they use that word very carefully, but a certain level of mastery of experience and they see what's on social media. And I'm not, not even talking about just the glossy stuff, but they see it and they go, Oh my God, that, that guy or that woman is so awesome. They just live wide open all the time and they must never feel insecure. Um, they must never have hateful thoughts about the people or judgmental thoughts about the people around them or themselves. Um, they must just live in this kind of like wide open, kaleidoscope of experience. And so I think that you sharing a little bit of everything with us from your experience is, uh, is very important. Well, thank you. How about you? Where's an example of a little bit of everything in your life these days? Oh, it's, it's the trip out 
to the East Coast, it's the enjoyment of being with my friends. It's the tension of creating a course. And I was right in the middle of, I finished uh, 50 pages of handwritten notes, Scott, on the airplane and while I was there, and then I needed to type them up so I'd have something to use during the studio recording. It's the nervousness of sitting in front of a camera. Um, it's the joy of going, oh, I'm accomplishing something that I've really, really wanted to accomplish for a long time. And then it's the concern of, oh, but I wonder if it's any good. I wonder if this will be useful to people. Oh, shit, I forgot that part that I really wanted. And the studio's, you know, 3,000, 4,000 miles away, so I can't go back and do that right now. It's um, it's watching my son get a promotion at work and my daughter shave her head and get ready to move to Seattle. It's um, moving through the experience of creating this really exciting platform, the Institute for Creative Living, and the daily, really the daily journey through the uncertainty, uh, the desire that's pulling me forward, the uncertainty of how it's all going to come together, the, um, the anticipation of going to the lake with my brother and his kids later this afternoon and using their new raft. Um, it's the smoke filled valley right now we have forest fires in this region so the valley is full of smoke and this morning the sunrise was beautiful over the mountains and my head was my sinuses were full of stuffiness from the air quality so i could just keep going i guess that's a little bit of everything that was beautiful i feel like you just spoke a poem (laughs) (laughs) truly (laughs) thank you you're natural, man. <laughs> you know, I wanted to circle back just a minute, Scott. And and again, your experience that you've been sharing and you shared a few, you know, a few weeks ago, how you were planning on or feeling like it might be time to move away from social media in the way that you had been and your experience of going through that and then saying it's, you know, it's time. But then also um, this continued journey that you're on of exploration, of finding out what's next, what's right now. And I'm thinking back to my own youth and how um, repressed and constricted I was by ideas of what was right and wrong. And then through my life, we've talked about this on previous episodes, being called out beyond the boundaries of what I knew being called outside the boundaries of enterprises I had started into a new life and following old, old dreams and watching them, you know, become alive eventually, you know, writing and doing the work that I do now, um, leaving a marriage that seemed like such the, the fences seemed so staunch stalwart and learning about myself outside of the marriage, you know, trying to date at 40 three years old for the first time, not knowing and the awkwardness of that. And also being outside by that time in my life and since being outside of the boundaries of any particular religious tradition or wisdom tradition that says these are the rules for living. And I had to come up with an ethic for myself because I knew that I was being called into and had been being called into I'm wired to live a life of exploration, but I also am deeply wired to never want to cause harm. And so that was a, that has been an experience, Scott, of needing to find out a true inner value system that would work minus external role systems, because I found that I would probably always end up stepping outside of whatever dogma I was going to be part of. Um, And so I came to, I came to this. For myself, and it's it has its roots, I think, in really sort of ancient pagan um, ethics. But you know, the ancient pagan pagan ethic of and do no harm, uh, and it harm none. Do as you will, and that, of course, went directly against my old religious teaching. And I I sat with that for a really long time. Like, what is what would that mean? And it harm none. Do as you will, and I came to make my own version of it, which is wrong for me is if I take something that someone hasn't given willingly, if I take it through manipulation, if I take it through a power dynamic that's unimbalanced, 
if I take it through lying or stealing, you know, because I don't hold the idea of sin anymore uh, in the old traditional way. I don't believe in original sin. I don't hold to those things, but I needed something that would work and that would be able to guide me through, you know, the wilderness, uh, the unknown, because I felt myself going out there a lot. And so that that came to me. And I, I wanted to share that today as we're sharing this idea of exploring, of finding out who we are, of who we aren't, um, of which things, even if they are legal and permissible, still don't work for us for some reason. And um, I watch you living that way. And so I'm curious, I don't know if you've ever talked about that ethic of mine, but I'm curious what versions of that you might have or how, yeah, what that brings up for you. Well, when you, when you mentioned the social media thing and just the whole idea of doing what you want to do so long as it doesn't hurt others, mm-hmm. um, I, I about a week ago posted on Facebook that I'm going to be deactivating my page around July 31st mm-hmm. and that feels good and it feels right. Um, I was really moved and overwhelmed by the response to that post mm-hmm. and all the beautiful things people had to say. It was very touching. And of course, I haven't even read through it all yet, and but will. But it, of course, it made me in a moment like, why are you doing this? Look at it. <laughs> <laughs> they need me. Look, they need me. <laughs> well, no, that's perfect. That's what I want to talk about. That you said they need me. Yeah. Because a, a, a few different friends have have brought this up to me and in different ways, but a couple of them in in a way where I felt that they were projecting onto me. And these are people who love me and whom I love. They, I don't believe in any way they were doing it to be malicious, but they were projecting. And it mm-hmm. was couched in this, this statement essentially of, don't you feel obligated mm-hmm. to the people who follow your work? Yeah. You know, don't you feel obligated to continue doing this? People, you know, look forward to your posts and essentially need your posts is what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really important to talk about because the short answer is no. But the longer answer is, of course, this is something I considered. And maybe we did hit on it at one point when we were talking about this. I... One, I feel first and foremost that even though I believe what I have to offer, that there's there's value in it. I I don't I'm not belittling my offering in any way. And if I died today, everyone would be fine never hearing from me again. Right? Both things are true. I don't I I believe there are people who have benefited greatly from my work my writing and my speaking on social media and and beyond in the past years. And I absolutely know those people are fine and are, have other sources and will find other sources and are not dependent on me. Um, And perhaps more importantly than that is the idea that if you are honoring what is true for you, that is what matters. That is what matters. It is not about honoring what's true for you as long as you are meeting the expectations of others, as long as you are obliged to do something for others. That's not, that's not what my commitment to myself is. And this is not what I invite any of you listening to have as a commitment to yourself. And what I was feeling in the friends that brought it up to me in a way where I felt that they were projecting, it was their fears. Mm -hmm. They're doing something similar in their lives that I'm doing. And I was feeling their fears. I was feeling their insecurities. I was feeling the judgments that they imagined they would receive from others if they made this choice. And the reason I was feeling all of these things very clearly is because I have all of those things inside of myself. Mm -hmm. The reason I was triggered to any degree by what they were saying is because those things are alive within me, those insecurities, those fears. The degree to which you are triggered by something that someone says is the degree to which you are carrying your own judgments of yourself around those very things that this person is triggering, which is why it is so important instead of just 
blaming or saying fuck you or whatever it is we want to do when someone's triggering us with what they're saying, for me, I feel it is wildly important to consider why am I being triggered? What in me is being triggered? Where am I judging myself? And then I want to come back to this idea of obligation. Mm -hmm. When you are moving forward in your life in a way that is aligned with your heart, aligned with your soul, aligned with your truth beyond anything else, people are going to judge you. People are going to, to judge you verbally. People are going to try to stop you from moving forward in the way you're moving forward because people want to contain us in the ways that are comfortable for them. We all are doing this. We come to know someone in a specific way. When they step outside that way, we come to know them. It, it, it becomes uneasy for us. And so we say things like, you've changed disparagingly instead of celebrating people who are changing and growing and no longer obligated to others and, and minimizing themselves to meet the expectations of others. Right. So know this know that you will be judged, know that not everybody's going to support what you're doing, know that you are going to be criticizing yourself through all of this process as well. And still, even with all of that, allow yourself as much as possible to align with your truth and move forward in that alignment because the benefits that come from that place so greatly outweigh all of the other stuff, all of the other noise and only, I believe, when we're really, really aligned with our truth in that way, are we able to unveil the bounty that is available to us in, on this planet in terms of the relationships we create, the possibilities we create, not only with others, but with ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, Scott, I was thinking of this book um, by Robert A. Johnson, that has helped me so much. It's a really small book. Several of his books I've mentioned in previous yeah, episodes. Say the title again, because I coughed when you said it. I didn't say the title yet. Oh, I, okay. I was rambling on about his various books. Um, yeah, no, this this title is inner called Inner Gold. Mm-hmm. And this one is talking about the admiration. You've been talking about um, some other people you know, putting their projections on you from more of a negative, you know, sense, but the, uh, a lot of what this book is talking about is that when we place admiration on a figure, a leader, a guru, even a friend or a partner, um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's very natural. But when we place admiration on them, we're see- we're actually, it's a pr- projection. We're seeing qualities that we admire in them we're seeing our own reflection, but we aren't yet ready to carry those for ourselves. That doesn't mean that every admiration is um, an unresolved, you know, self uh, picture, self reflection. But but people who really put folks on a pedestal or a, you know, in a teacher role, um, they are projecting some of the qualities they see in them in them they don't they can't yet see in themselves, and so that that figure has the the responsibility to carry their gold is what this book is talking about. And what's interesting is there's this process of transferring the gold back to the follower, back to the student. Mm-hmm. And, and the book is really explaining how natural and how important that dynamic can be. So it's interesting to hear you begin to transfer some gold back to some people who've been following you for a long time for example, and saying, hey, you've been admiring me, you've been looking up to me or waiting for my words. And what I want you to know is that you already have all this stuff in you. You have the wisdom, you have the ability, you have the balance, you have the insight, whether you're doing that consciously or not. But you and I have each of us experienced um, a leader or a teacher or a guru who didn't know how to do that transfer back gracefully. And the book speaks about that, um, that there frequently is a time when something has to almost break or something has to get really harsh. And even that's a natural process for um, teachers who are less mature and say, Hey, I need to stay alive. I need to continue growing and experiencing and expanding. So you don't get to even keep seeing me the same way. 
Um, Don Miguel Ruiz one time, such a great example of this. We were at the Gathering of the Shamans in Sedona. It's an annual gathering. I love it. I went there for several years in a row and taught there and experienced it. But one time we uh, at the opening um, gathering, the various teachers were getting up and saying a few words. And one um, really beautiful teacher got up and was asking, who is a shaman? And she basically was reflecting to everyone there, hey, you have shamanic abilities in you. And then Don Miguel Ruiz gets up to do the wrap up. And he's like, you know, shaman is just a word. He's like, don't, don't, don't think of me as a shaman. Like I'm a human. I'm here to experience and explore. It was just so funny how, and he wasn't contradicting this other person at all. It was just so interesting how, you know, he, he has moved through so many versions of himself and is comfortable understanding that any version is another costume and it's okay. It's okay to wear the costume, but it's really wonderful to understand it's a costume. Yeah, I love that. And in all the stories we tell ourselves, like what I was what I was becoming aware of for myself because I've talked about leaving social media and then and this part of me that's been needing to be quiet and not wanting, you know, the that that desperation to be seen, but what I realized is I've been creating a new story for myself and forming an attachment to this new story. And it was and, and what I came to to feel and just say to myself over and over is it ju- is just allow whatever is to be. It's like this is, you know, we've talked about how this is just it for right now. And I think that's so important because once we open ourselves up to a new way of being and we get so excited about that new way of being or this new path in our lives or whatever it is, it can be very easy to become then attached to that and build a story around that and then become inflexible, mm-hmm. you know, become unable to shift if we're called to shift. Like the, my deepest call right now is just to listen, mm-hmm. to listen to whatever guidance I'm receiving and to move in alignment with that guidance. And if that guidance, the guidance has been very clear lately about getting quieter and, and getting off social media. If that guidance were to say to me in a week, now I want you to try harder than ever to, you know, get your name out there. I hope I would, li- I don't expect that to happen, but I hope I would listen to it because my commitment is to listening. It's right. not to the message. My commitment is to my alignment with source. Mm-hmm. It's not to any specific story. It's to like, how am I most aligned with God? And what what choices am I making from that place? Because that's when I know that I'm making choices that will serve me most beautifully and serve our planet most beautifully. So yes, keep listening, keep listening, keep listening. Don't become inflexible. Don't become inflexible. Brings up a couple of thoughts. One's personal. Um, and I'll get to that in a moment, but as you're talking about the process of opening and closing, it reminds me of Don Miguel Ruiz Jr.'s book called the five levels of attachment. And he talks about how the, lowest level of attachment is just wide open, just experiencing, curious, and not being attached to as an identity of this is who I am, this is how I am. And then he talks about the various levels as that closes down around the identity. um, It, we begin to more and more identify and he uses the example of a sports team, you know, it's like, Uh, for example, I'm not very attached to sports at all, Scott. So I could walk through a living room with a bunch of guys watching the Super Bowl and I would be vaguely curious about it. Um, Oh, interesting. Uh, And I'm I'm not better than them. That just doesn't have to be something I'm particularly obsessed with. Um, But looking over here and here's the guy wearing the Green Bay Packers hat and he's got his shirt off and he's got his chest painted the various colors and he is screaming at the screen and uh, his buddy over here is for the other team and they actually get in a fist fight because now anybody who doesn't see the world or see this particular game my way is my enemy. And we see a lot of that in our world right now, like yeah. cl- clamp down around an identity of this is who I am an anti-vaxxer or I am anti the anti-vaxxers or whatever it might be. So the clamping down around the identity that says this is who I am and yeah. the the absolute contraction of that that says, and furthermore, 
if you are not like this, if you don't see it this way, then you are my enemy. Um, that's the most contracted state. What I love though, is that he goes on to say, trying to stay wide open all the time is as its own form of being too contracted. It's its own form of identification. He said, he said, imagine a flower that opens every day when the sun comes up and it closes at night, it just does this and then does this, it does this. And he said, that's, that's the experience of finding out who we are of experiencing everything else we are is understanding there are going to be times I am going to be tightly wound around an identity. And if I'm willing to stay with life, I'm going to open back up and then I'm going to close back down. And, you know, he's like, it's not, there's nothing wrong with that process. He said, I've seen people who are really, I attach the idea of being wide open spiritual people who are as contracted around that idea, around the idea of openness. <laughs> I wonder though, do you think, cause I love what you're saying. I love this reflection. Do you think if someone is honestly open from a, an authentic place, is it possible to be authentically open and contracted? Like, do you really think that's possible? I, I think that what you and I are pulling the threads of and have been for this entire series is that question. How do I remain open even in the understanding that my psyche will want to find the next thing to attach to and contract around? And so let's keep breathing through that and not force it. Okay. So I am in this new relationship or whatever it might be. Uh, I am really stoked about that at the moment. Um, that can change whatever, you know, that's not my personal experience, but I also wanted just to share Scott in being your friend and your co-host of this podcast. Now, as you've been going through your process, I've been going through an interestingly sort of other side of the coin where I am now coming into after 12 years of not being deeply committed to building a structure and actually growing something, feeling very, very much called to do that. And it's interesting to watch how in some ways resistant I feel to that. Like I've just had a very flexible, low obligation life for a long time. Uh, You know, I've certainly had a lot of pressure at different times, putting on events or helping people get their books published or publishing mine. But in general, it's been pretty loosey-goosey for a long, long time. And so this process of really developing a structure and feeling called to develop a team and bringing in other people who can contribute at really high levels, I've been surprised sometimes to notice how, one, I feel very much aligned it's time. These are my gifts. These are the assets that we're developing that I didn't even know we're developing for all those years. And so it's time to make something of them and feeling so deeply supported and drawn forward by it, but also noticing the part of me that's like, uh, man, uh, this, this is going back into structure and then saying, okay, how can I, how can I re-engage with structure? and creating a structure and being part of it that also honors one of my deepest values, which is freedom. So how can I do that without getting caught in my own web? Yeah, I love that right. for so many reasons. I love that you're you're showing, an ex- the, we are living opposite lives in that way right now. And we're both listening to what feels true for us. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it's an example that there's no one thing that will be true for everybody, right. right? It's not about that. It's about the listening. It's about the honoring the truth and then seeing from that place what you feel called to create or do or not do or whatever that is. Right. Um, I also love that because you're showing, you're highlighting how important it is to take responsibility for how you're creating what it is you're creating. Like, yes, you're, you're, you're flowing in a world now where there is going to be structure and in demands and these things that are counterintuitive to freedom in a lot of ways, but you're, you're entering it with this question. Mm -hmm. How can I, how can I make this feel good for me? Mm -hmm. How can I make this world that typically feels very constrictive to me or provokes me in some way because of the structure, how can I do it my way? Mm -hmm. And 
we we can always be asking that question because when we ask that question, we're likely to find answers that honor what is most true for us or more true for us. And we're not then bound to be doing and repeating the same types of situations and actions that do not feel good. Right. So thank you for being an example of how do you're, and you're taking on something big. Yeah. You know, you're taking on something big and still asking yourself, how can I do this in a way that feels good for me? So, and I believe the reason that you're able to do that in this way is because you ask yourself those questions on much smaller levels too. You're looking at that. You're asking yourself that in all areas of your life. So you're naturally going to bring that into your work life. I love that, Scott. Thank you for reflecting that. It's it's interesting you say, so because it has become such a daily practice of asking, how do I feel about this? What do I need? What would I love? Like that is the daily practice. And that's, yeah. that's down to, you know, very mundane kinds of things. You're right. It becomes reflexive to then say, okay, now I'm navigating back into waters that once tipped me over, that once nearly drowned me. Okay. But there's a certain sense of joy now of going, oh, but I've learned. I've learned how to be honest with myself. I've learned more how to be honest with other people. I've learned how to acknowledge my needs in a different way than I had before. And so, but there's all, there's always also the, if it didn't, if there wasn't some anticipatory anxiety about it, it probably wouldn't be enough of a challenge, right? So it's yeah. the sense of, Oh my God, here we go. The class five rapids, you know, the last time I tried this, <laughs> it tipped me over and took me downstream a long ways, but it's more like, Oh, I'm coming back to this. I'm coming back to what was a nemesis. And the question is, can I re-enter it? Will, how can I re-enter it? Not can I, how can I re-enter it? And not fall back into codependent traits, which was really the reason that things um, got imbalanced the last time was, was my own codependence and caregiving and psychosis around being the all father for everyone in my, <laughs> in my team and all of that. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, um, I don't want to run away from this, but I also want to acknowledge that we have actually quite a few comments that have come in through our website. Oh, yes. Okay. And please. so I just let's at least get to, let's start at least get to one of them. Yeah, I want to I want to go there and also thank you um, for everyone who has been commenting since looks like when we took a break everyone's like, "Oh my god, I better comment because maybe they're gone <laughs> forever." Awesome. Yeah. But yeah, and I want to invite you. Um, we'll probably begin making this uh, some part of the featured uh, on our show is responding to or at least acknowledging your comments. And I just want to say how much I appreciate what I've read so far. Uh, the fact that you're responding, the fact that you're reflecting to us that this series is helping you, that you're interested in it. Um, so yeah, if you want to go to heyjacobhighscott.com and use the message box, um, we're going to acknowledge you. And by the way, if you don't want us to read something on the air, please make sure that that's clear. <laughs> Otherwise, we yeah. might talk about it. I don't want to violate your privacy in any way. So if you if you want to just write us a personal note, but you don't want it read out loud, um, make sure you make sure you make that comment. I don't see anything here today that would be a problem. Um, let me just run through a couple of these, Scott. So Chris Hans, yeah, yeah, Chris Hans just says, uh, and it's a fairly long message. I won't, I won't read the whole thing, but she just says that um, she just finished listening to episode 15. So many nuggets of wisdom that blew my mind recently ended a relationship and she's talking about the growth that she's had um, and how much she appreciates what she heard in that, you know, it reflected to her how she was going about it. But she just said, um, you provided some wonderful words I could use when having conversation that are so incredibly loving. Thanks so much for that. Thanks for every episode. Love you both. So that's wonderful. That's great. Any questions come in? Um, Thank you, Chris Ann. Looking for it. questions here. Um, a lot of thank yous, and I just want to really uh, acknowledge those. And Carolyn says, "What? No more podcasts?" And then a little tear face. Now, Carolyn, don't don't go throwing a fit if we miss a week. <laughs> Scott has a life to live out there in the gay in the gay campgrounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Wi-Fi is not easy in the forests. <laughs> 
Oh, um, here's a question. So um, Eileen says, I've been enjoying your podcast, My Daily Ride to Work. Can you please tell me the name of the musician who sings your intro? I heard Scott say it, Assad, but I can't find this artist. Thanks so much. So Scott, since you're a friend of Chris, I'll let you talk about Chris. Yeah, his name is Chris Assad, and it's A-S-S-A-A-D. And he's a wonderful musician. He's on Spotify. You'll find him. His most recent album is called Lion, L-I-O-N, and it's wonderful. And our our intro is was from a, a single he released before putting Lion out. But I think it might, I'm not sure if it's on the album. It might be. But you can find him on Spotify. Or uh, he's probably chrisassad.com, I'm guessing. But if you type in his name, you'll find him. Yeah, we also he's have- He's a wonderful human too, like full of love and full of- um, He's really somebody who also, what I, I don't know him well. We came to know each other through social media and I met him. I went and saw one of his shows when I was in Toronto. And he's somebody who is living by the creed of like honoring your heart and your spirit. And he puts out music that for me is very high vibration music. It's very heart centered and heart opening. So thank you. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. And I'll just say we also at the bottom of our website, we have uh, we have the entire song. Um, the YouTube version of that is on our website and we have links to Chris's site right there on our front page. So just go back to heyjacobhighscott.com. And send him, if you feel inclined, send him a message. Tell him you love his music. I'm sure he'd love to hear that. I'm sure he would love to hear that. Um, this one's from Andrea and she just says, thank you for sharing the content of your last podcast, number 16, particularly around surrender and natural endings. And then she's talking about how she felt uh, recently decided to withdraw from Facebook and stop putting so much stuff out there to her followers. And she's reflecting to you, um, Scott, how, how much bravery that takes. She also says, um, some days I just sit observing how much I've been tied to the masculine model of doing rather than being. I hear my feminine self screaming to be heard and I weep as I feel the level of suppression I've enforced upon her via the external societal narrative. Freeing her and therefore myself is currently active and in my energy and what I'm being called to acknowledge and honor. Yeah, what are, what are your thoughts for Andrea? Well, I'm look, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm I'm very much focused on on being instead of doing what I want to say though. And in in someday I suspect we will have an episode about this and I'd love to. Um I'd love to talk about like healthy masculine energy and healthy feminine energy mm. versus the toxic versions of that. Because there is there is a lot of healthy feminine energy that is also about doing. It's just, it's not the kind of doing that we've been conditioned to feel we have to do in order to be seen as worthy. Um, so I think, look, I am all for looking at the ways in which we've been programmed to believe that our worth is tied to productivity. And as much as possible, breaking outside of that conditioning. It's total bullshit. And, and what, and finding out what we feel called to do or how we feel called to be when we are allowing ourselves to be honest with ourselves about what that honest call is, right? So I love Andrea that you're exploring that in sitting with it and being with it and, and seeing for yourself, like, how are you called to be in that space? And what are you called to do? Because doing is also a part of life. You know, like we're not, we're not likely to be called to just sit under a willow tree, as beautiful as that sounds, for 24 hours a day. Even when we're being most deeply honest with ourselves, there's a good chance at some point there is going to be a call to do something in the world. Yep. But when that calls in alignment with source, it's, it's not going to feel the, like the doing that has exhausted you, Andrea. Yeah. and exhausted me and is exhausting all of us, right? <laughs> it's going to feel different. So I'm excited for you on that exploration. I'm doing the same type of exploration. Yeah. Uh, this one's a personal one for you, Scott. Susie, Susie, she says, hi, Scott. It's Sue from Adler Elementary. I love your message. How are you? We're excited to hear your podcast. Lots of exclamation points. She, she must know you. I live in Los Angeles. So if you ever travel out West, feel free to contact me. Love, Sue. Do you know Susie? 
What? Well, don't maybe don't say her last name on air, and I don't know if it's there, but I would have to hear the last name. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, no, I won't say yeah, it on air. I would, I'd have to hear the last name. Well, Susie but knows you. Awesome. <laughs> Susie knows me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And next time you I'm go so to, excited, all these comments have come in. Me too. That's so cool. You know, I love that. And there's a couple more here. Um, okay. Gabby says, "Hi guys, just wanted to shout out a big thank you um, for doing this. I've been going through a tough time, like pulling the legs out of, out of the chair that Jacob is using as, as an example. Well, my chair ha- was left with no legs. Your podcast has really helped. <laughs> I'm just glancing down through this. Um, lastly, nope. Gabby, Gabby was concerned about her grammar and spelling, and I'm bringing that up just to say she was concerned about that. Like, nope, you don't have to worry about that. Send us your message. We're not gonna, we're not gonna call you out for not spelling everything properly. Um, no, so absolutely she just says not. thank you. Yeah, and uh, and she also says um, wanted to highlight the last episode about how to discern the voice of intuition, the voice of ego or fear. That's a huge one. So, yeah, she just wants to say a big thank you. Anything you have to say to Gabby Scott? Just I love you. Thank you, Gabby. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm loving Scott. It's so interesting. I've done various podcasts over the years. Um, one with Empower Radio and some on my own. And one of the things that helps me so much is when people get engaged and respond. Um, mm-hmm. Because we're sitting here. You're you're in a cabin in Michigan. I'm in my uh, little apartment in Boise, Idaho, and. Um, Thankfully, you and I get to do this together. So at least we're going to have fun doing this. But when you're talking out into the, you know, void, sometimes it's hard to know, like, is, is anybody, is, did the tree fall in the forest and no one heard it, you know? And so it really makes a difference to get a comment back or, and it doesn't have to be like congratulations all the time, even though those feel really good. Also your questions, um, or if you disagree, that might be an interesting thing for us to discuss. So anyway, thank you for engaging. Yeah, any of that. And questions especially because I I promise you whatever question you have a, th- a thousands of other people have the same question. Yes. And it it's helpful and we we would love to respond to questions and offer whatever we're able to offer in the moment that could be helpful, you know, for you or others. So by all means, thank you all who who've been writing in. Yeah, and there's, should we wrap it up? Yeah, brother? we should, but there's one more and I want to I want to just acknowledge everyone um who's taking the time to write to us. But Barbara just says, again, thank you. I love you both. Um, she also says, I had a thought today about establishing a group that reads and reflects on books and poetry that that we talk about on the show. Uh, every week's topic would be a great group discussion to unpack all we experience by listening to you guys. Um, so I'm just, I think that's an interesting idea. And if you, yeah, if anybody out there wants to pull some of these threads that, that we you know, dangle out there during the episodes. I think that's a really cool idea. And I'd love to hear how that develops. Absolutely. By all means, Barbara, do it, make it happen. Yeah. And tell us about it too. We want to hear about it. (laughs) Well, Scott, I feel like we took a a really um, interesting swim through the deep end today. And I didn't want to interrupt that flow by getting to these comments, but I also felt like I wanted to acknowledge the comments, but how would you, how would you sort of wap this up today? How would I wrap it up? What sort of practice? Well, I did, re- or I did idea? have a little quote I want to read. Oh, good. Also, but I mean, for me, the first thing that 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 comes to mind when you say that is just I feel that what I continue to learn is that when I trust in what feels most true for me, I am led through my life in a very beautiful way, even if it's not always clear and if it's not always easy, that that it is so important to intentionally consider what feels most true for you and as much as possible, make choices from that place. That's how I'll wrap up what we were talking about today. Excuse me. Well, you? Aside, from, aside from just... Uh silently applauding over here. I don't have anything to add to that. I think, I think that's a great way to wrap up. What are you going to read to us? I'm going to read a quote from Rachel Carson. Okay. She was a wonderful writer. This is from her book, Silent Spring. She wrote a lot about nature and was an activist and, and mm-hmm. really just powerful human. Okay. Those who contemplate the beauty of the earth find reserves of strength that will endure as long as life lasts. There is something infinitely healing 
in the repeated refrains of nature, the assurance that dawn comes after night and spring after winter. Love that. Yeah. Well, as we leave you for another week, uh, I just want to invite you, if you can feel your self, your inner self, calling you forward into a new place, into new experiences, follow it. It's going to lead you amazing places. And um, if you're loving the show, if it's helping you, please, uh, please do rate and subscribe, you know, on your favorite platform, share it with your friends and send us a comment. Hey, Jacob, Scott.com. Scott, I love you, my friend. It's so good to see your face. Where are you going next? You too. Um, I don't know. North. I'm leaving like I'm going today. <laughs> I'm just going to start driving. I know I'm going north. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> you know, you're starting to sound more and more like a, a shaman. I don't know. The wind's going to blow me somewhere and I'll yeah, it's gonna blow speak me somewhere. to you from there. All right, brother. Well, Godspeed and send me pictures. I love you, brother. You Thank too. you all. Love you It's up to you to choose how good it can get, how much love you can let into your life, into your heart, before your mind decides it's too much. It's up to you to choose. It's up to you to choose.